Yo, welcome back, my beautiful people. It's been a long and winding road, but finally, 10 months and two weeks later, I am here to present to you the heavily compacted version of the first half of a mind-blowing conversation I had with the insightful, powerful, and exemplary Miss Monogamish. So please give her a very warm welcome with your ears, mind, and heart. Here we go. Welcome to Invisible Sunlight, a weekly space for celebrating people, getting in touch with yourself, and joining me on my quest for individual fulfillment in this weird and wonderful life. I'm your host, Joha Amor, and I'm so grateful to have you here today. We'll be having a whole variety of topics and enriching experiences, ranging from laughter to tears. You'll find insights, tools, and unique moments in many different formats, including interviews and discussions with some fantastic guests. This safe space is for you if you also prioritize authenticity, gratitude, curiosity, and a growth mentality. So, thank you so much for coming on this brand new show, The Leap of Faith. No worries. Yeah, I really, really love your Instagram profile. You have some really great posts and just even your description actually I wanted to already ask about because you say ethical non-monogamy that much I understand and sex positive can you explain a little bit what it means to be trauma informed that's really interesting sure sure so my educational and career background has a lot to do with trauma so I understand a bit about how trauma particularly childhood trauma can affect um, our brain and our future relationships, our adult relationships. And when I first came into ethical non-monogamy, my trauma read its ugly head. And, you know, I just found that it was an incredibly triggering environment for someone who has experienced trauma. And because if you look at the prevalence of trauma in society, nearly everyone experienced trauma, I found it really frustrating that I couldn't find anything specifically about being trauma-informed whilst navigating open relating and ethical non-monogamy. And so with my understanding of trauma, I look at ethical non-monogamy, particularly my own experience through a trauma lens. Um, and I just take into consideration, you know, attachment styles and maladaptive coping mechanisms and how they show up in non-monogamy uh, in particular. So, yeah, I guess it's a bit of an interest. It's something that I do have a bit of knowledge about, but it's also something I'm, I'm on a journey of learning more about. Wow, that, that's amazing. You know, I kind of never thought about that, but now that you say it, I'm like, this is the totally essential part, yeah. Oh, mate. Yeah. It's until, I mean, for so long I was just like, why do I fucking suck at this? <laughs> <laughs> and why all this stuff that I've dealt with now coming back up and being triggered? And I guess because when you're monogamous, particularly monogamous in a long-term relationship, you build safety and security and you can um, really secure attachments through that neuroplasticity and relearning of the brain, but bring in a new partner with a new attachment style and bringing up different triggers, all of those default settings just come back up again. And so I had to really work and look and still do have to acknowledge my anxious attachment, my previous traumas and how that shows up and how I need to learn to manage that stuff. 
Yeah. Okay. Do you think it, it's always to do with the beginning then, or can it also be the other way around that when you get to know someone, then it comes up? Well, yeah. I, I mean, I guess I am such a glutton for vulnerability. Like I just throw myself into anything. I'm not afraid to be vulnerable. And so for me, my triggers happen in all those spaces. But for a lot of people, it takes a long time for them to feel safe to be vulnerable. And so it might take long for sure. But in essence, I believe that ethical non-monogamy is a catalyst for making you deal with your shit <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's one of the things i love most about it actually yeah and i was also just about to ask you how did you first find the self-awareness of oh this is what i'm struggling with this is how i can deal with it so a lot of people just go blind through life yeah definitely i mean i guess when i when i'm interested in something i dive wholeheartedly and i just stumbled my way through ethical non-monogamy with no mentorship without reading a single book you know just absolutely blindly fumbling through it and I was about to absolutely completely give up because I sucked and it sucked and it triggered me and I was just I knew all the great parts about it but I just couldn't get past my own shit to enjoy it and so right before I was about to just go this isn't for me I started my page and with starting my page I was open to a host of networks and just a wealth of information and I started reading books and Clementine, I can't remember her last name, but do you know the Instagram page? I believe her name's Clementine and she has a former informed approach to ethical non-monogamy. She's one of the only pages I've found and through her I really started to identify some of the things that I needed to consider and why that was showing up and it wasn't that I was just bad at non-monogamy me because there was a lot of cognitive dissonance I don't know if you experienced this as well but through knowledge and research I have built a belief system around ethical non-monogamy and so when I act a certain way because of trauma responses and because of anxious attachment styles I can feel really angry at myself because consciously I understand what it should look like but mm -hmm. in practice I'm an everyday perfectly imperfect human who still has to deal with my own traumas that are triggered <laughs> through dating yeah there's definitely a lot of dissonance that can happen actually whether you're monogamous or non-monogamous but especially if it's a new system that you're trying to consciously adapt into and then all your feelings and habits are somewhere else that, oh. yes exactly yeah. it's that understanding in the conscious level and the belief system in a conscious level and it all makes sense and my brain can find all this evidence for why it's like this really valid form of relationship and then in the back of my head I'm still unpacking social conditioning of monogamy I'm still unpacking trauma responses which mean that it can be extremely painful to go through rejection mm -hmm. when you live with trauma and when you live with an anxious attachment and so to just welcome that into my life and just invite people to trigger me and reject me and then I'm left to like kind of pick up the pieces it's been it's been absolutely mind-blowingly full of growth and I've learned so much about myself and it's also been like a really hard shot on this too I totally get where you're coming from. I think I work in a similar way, but I think maybe just to speak a question that might be on the listener's mind, could you express why you have decided to go this way and to sort of do this to yourself? Yeah, do this to myself. <laughs> yeah, it's a good Why it's point. worth it, basically. Look, there's a lot of discourse around whether or not being non-monogamous or polyamorous is an identity, the way that gender and sexuality mm. can be. I don't 
think I agree with that. I, I do still believe that non-monogamy is a choice. Mm. It's a choice that we don't know we have. Mm. And sometimes it speaks to people. But I, I don't know if I'd go as far as saying it's an identity. Happy to be challenged on that. So for me, it just, every part of my relationship always had a non-monogamous aspect. Mm. I think from the very beginning, we were both recognised in each other, high sex drives, uh, that we both enjoyed flirting, that we enjoyed attention from other people. And we also didn't think that that meant we had to break up. And so I guess from the beginning, we just had a mindset, who cares if he's dance with someone else who cares if you flirt with someone else who cares if um, someone gives you attention for the evening and you come home feeling really good about yourself like it was never a cause for you've been disloyal or you've been uh, you know cheating we just didn't have that mindset now cheating did occur at points in our relationship early on and instead of using that as a sign that the relationship couldn't work we used it as a signal that we had unmet needs and we chose to have a really adult discussion about it and ask what were we getting out of doing this? How could we gain the same benefits without so much consequence? Mm -hmm. And that's when I actually brought it up to my husband and asked if he would be interested in having an open relationship is what we called it back then. And that was like 10 years ago now. And through the last 10 years, our open relationship has evolved and has included things today that we never would have included 10 years ago because it's such a spectrum yeah. uh, open relating yeah I, I think that answers your question yeah and that's so amazing that you've made it work for 10 years that was in my misconception section that people think it's unsustainable yeah no it's actually yeah that's we'll, we'll talk about that more in a minute but yeah. really it's when done ethically and people need to remember that e-letter word at the beginning um ethical non-monogamy is actually quite sustainable because of the skills and awareness and knowledge you have to develop how intentional you have to be about your relationship in order to do that can mean that longevity is actually more likely exactly yeah well respect to you guys <laughs> okay let's go into the couple questions about yourself where are you right now in your life journey I saw this question on it and I got a little bit of anxiety because I, um, I'm in a strange place in my journey. If you've looked at my page recently, I've even considered monogamy again to give you some insight as to where my journey is. <clears throat> now, I don't believe that I could ever go back to monogamy because ethical non-monogamy, it's not a relationship choice in the end. It becomes a philosophy. It oh, becomes cool. a way of leading your life and a set of values and belief systems that you adopt. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I could never get rid of those. You know, I, I hold them too true. I believe deeply in in the fundamental values of honesty, transparency, minimizing power in relationships, not having control over your partners, individuality, autonomy within partnerships. I believe in that too much. So I think I could ever go back to like a traditional monogamous relationship. I, we talked about my page being trauma informed and I'm super honest and vulnerable on my page around my own traumas and the challenges that that brings up for me in non-monogamy. And it's taken its toll this year. It really has. And so Right now in my journey, I'm taking a little bit of a step back from dating. Apart, I'm just having a relationship with my husband at the moment. I'm not having relationships with anybody else and I'm working really, really hard on developing some self-love. Mm. Um, I really, uh, something that I've become aware of through my ethical non-monogamy experience is that when you don't 
love yourself entirely, when you don't know exactly who you are and, and love everything about self, you're at huge risk of believing what other people think of you and letting that dictate your happiness. Wow. And so for me in my journey at the moment, I set an intention that I'm putting out into the world and it's that nobody can do anything to harm me because I love myself so fiercely that if someone doesn't want to be a part of my life then that's that's not going to change my level of happiness you know so I'm working on self-love I'm working on having a relationship with myself acknowledging and challenging some codependent tendencies that I have and I'm hoping that means I can move forward and have more fulfilling multi-partner relationships in the future yeah wow that was Full of gold nuggets. <laughs> That's so deep. When how did you phrase it again? When you don't have self-love, you can believe what others think of you. Yeah, oh. and really internalize that. And that's been my experience this last probably twelve months. As I said, with the anxious attachment, that's really characterized mm-hmm. by the disbelief that when someone says that they care about you, that they really do. And we're hyper aware to like any subtle changes in somebody's mm-hmm. mannerism or affection towards us. So. A lot of the time we can interpret things wrongly. Just through the demise of some relationships and just the fact that they didn't work out has took a hit on my self-esteem, you know, and so I'm just learning to love all parts of myself, even the parts I don't like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did you get some sort of external advising, whether psychological or coaching, in order to be able to see your attachment styles and all that stuff? Not necessarily. I mean, I have a lot of education in the psychology realm. And so I was already aware of attachment theory and was able to to understand myself in that way. In terms of trying to build some self-love and building relationships, with myself at the moment yeah like I've definitely I'm reading books I've done a trauma course an eight-week trauma course I'm consistently working with my psychologist and I recently just built a bit of a it's called an empowerment circle my page where there's 10 of us women we're all non-monogamous and we just get together every week and firstly we just hold space for each other and validate that we want to be non-monogamous but this can be freaking hard sometimes and we're all on a journey to to build that relationship with ourselves so we're reading gifts imperfection by Brene Brown and so each week we read a couple of chapters and then we come and we meet over online because we're from all around the world and we debrief that and talk about the learnings and the things that we want to take away and just that accountability and that peer support has been like really really helpful Mm -hmm. i'm a big believer in what work are you being what are you doing about it awareness is not enough Uh just a quick technical question how did you guys find each other online well if i don't love leaving you on a cliffhanger wherever i can so stay tuned to find out that and much more in the second half of this epic conversation. We'll see you there.